Good morning and happy Palm Sunday. Um, Pastor Ben here, uh, one of the pastors here at CLC. And this morning, um, I, I want to start off by sharing a little secret. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing. So can, can you come closer to the screen? I, I don't want anybody to hear. Um, just a little bit closer. So are, are you ready? Here, here it goes. I can't. Sing. I, I can't sing. I'm tone deaf. When God was passing out the gift of singing, uh, I was in the bathroom or somewhere else because I stink at singing. But you know, that never stopped singing, especially singing praise songs because um, I, I'm tone deaf. Sometimes I don't know if I'm singing off a key or even very loud. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just ask Pastor Andrew because he's, making, he's been making fun of my singing ever since joining CLC. And one of the favorite songs that I love to sing is, This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. It's one of those tunes that I, I hum around in the house whenever I'm doing. Now, today, in our last sermon, our, our current sermon series called Following Jesus in the Bay Area. And if there is one takeaway that I take away from this book called Follow Me, is that if Jesus is really inside all of us, then we are going to let his light shine. You see, the people in the church have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus, right? And so in our minds, we know that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to save us from our sins. And that's why he enters Jerusalem today on Palm Sunday. In our hearts, we've tasted and seen that he alone can satisfy our souls. Then. Christ, who is in us, should affect our minds, our emotions, our bodies, even how we do relationships. And Christ does this for a reason. That reason being, he wants all of it. He wants all of our minds, wills, emotions, our bodies, our friendships, our relationship, our marriages, even our parenting, so that we can display his glory to all those who are around us. That's why when God banded you and I together in what we call the church, the body of Jesus Christ, so that we are to be his witness throughout the whole world to let his light shine, shine, and shine. And we all know, and we call this the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So don't worry, because I got your back. I will always be with you to the ends of the ages. Now, do you want to know who really, really exemplify this calling, this great commission, even unto death? Apostle Paul. Now, if you were reading through the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 through 16, 
this, this is what he says. The reason that God has set me apart, even before I was born, the very reason that he had called me by his grace, and now the reason that Christ is in me is because so that I might preach who? That's right, Christ. Who is the light so that I might preach to the Gentiles? Now, did you see that? Did you see the reason why Jesus is in our lives or or the purpose of us gathering every Sunday is to share our lives? To share the hurts, the joys that we are experiencing so that we would be able to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. As we encourage one another, teach one another so that we would scatter again to make the gospel of Jesus known to more and more and more people. And we will do this week after week, year after year, and we will not stop until the good news of Jesus is spread from our houses, to our communities, to our cities, and eventually to all the nations. You know, when I accepted Jesus Christ at the age of 18, one of the things that I really, really loved to do was evangelism. So during lunchtime or free time between classes, People would find me in front of the school library preaching about Jesus, who was living in me. And some of those people that I led to the Lord, now, of course, it it was the all work of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? They all became one of my closest friends. And now they are in ministry and doing the same thing, you know, as we speak. But, you know, somehow evangelism has become something that we pick and choose. In rather that the Great Commission is not a choice for us to consider, but a command that we simply need to obey. In fact, this task was so crucial that even our master teacher himself preaches about the Father's hearts. So that when he himself is in us, in Christ that is, we cannot help to, you got it, let it shine. Now, you don't believe me? Now, see for yourself. If you read in Matthew chapter 5, we see he begins his ministry, and his ministry is revolved around these three things, teaching, preaching, and healing. And in Matthew chapter 7, we see him again teaching. In fact, he's teaching one of his greatest sermons, a Sermon on the Mount, right? And in Matthew chapter 8 and 9, we see him again preaching the good news, healing the people. And he he sort of does this back and forth, preaching and healing and healing and preaching. And in Matthew chapter 10, we see Jesus sending out his disciples two by two to do exactly what he has been doing. Now, do you see this astonishing parallel of the disciples and of him? Jesus is teaching, preaching, and healing. And his disciples were doing the same thing as their master was. Jesus was doing all of his work through his disciples. And he's enabling them to do all the same thing that he did. Now, are you following? Jesus came to this earth enabling us, those people, those that followed him after to do exactly what he did. To follow him so that they would let his light shine. So that when he went up to heaven, he sent his spirit to live in us, Christ in us, so that we would do do exactly what he did. 
to preach, to teach, to heal. And the passage that we're about to read, in order for us to accomplish this, to achieve the Great Commission, the heart of Christ is showing, which I think is the motivation or the key ingredient in accomplishing this task. Now, let's read through our main passage today. It is found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 37. And this is what Jesus Christ said. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every afflictions. Now, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Now, I want you to for a minute for even a couple of seconds, I want you to meditate upon these verses. Because I feel like this verse, this passage, gives us a glimpse of the heart of Christ for those who do not know the Father. The same heart that he has put in each and every one of us when we are in Christ. So, if Christ is in us, How does this affect how we view the world around us or how we view those people around us generally? How? We show compassion. Now, let me put it in another way. Why obey the Great Commission? Why live this way? Why? Simply put, to shine the light of Jesus to everyone around us. You see, when Christ is in us, our lives are now consumed by the love of Christ for others. To have compassion for the world. Now, did you know that the compassion is a really, really a rich word? It is used nine times in the New Testament. And every time this word is used, it is referring to the heart of Jesus. And you know that Compassion isn't something that we naturally get, but that he puts in us and flows from us and is only comes from him as the true source. You know, last month, all the staffers at CLC took a strength, uh, a test called strength finders to see what our strengths and weaknesses are. And honestly, even before taking the test, I I knew what my strengths were. Now, the strength finder kind of categorized it into colors. Now, my color, the blue color, the developer, empathy, and includer are all leadership quality that has to do with relationships. And I had five of these blue colors show up in my top 10 leadership quality skills. And one of the staff came up to me and said, hey, hey Ben. So were you always kind of this relational person? Does compassion always comes to you so naturally? And I looked and I said, no. I answered, I don't think so. You see, before I met Jesus Christ, I was someone who was very, very stingy and very egotistic. But it all changed when I met Jesus Christ who is now living inside of me. Now, so then, how does Christ in us or his compassion 
affects those people around us. First, I, I want you to take a look at verse 36. 36, do you see this? In Christ, we see the size of the multitude. You see, when Jesus, when Jesus Christ saw the crowds, you know, everywhere that Jesus went, he gathered or saw the multitude. I mean, he, he gathered 5,000 for some sushi and some bread, right? But what about the time when he came down from the mountain in, in Matthew chapter 8? After his one of his greatest sermon, do you remember that many, many people followed him down? You know, when we first introduced this sermon series, do you remember Andrew mentioning that there are, there are 3.8 billion people in this world that are still unreached? And this was the very reason why he decided to leave our church ministry and he's going to go overseas in the summer. Now, let me ask you a question. As he said, 3.8 billion people, what went through your mind? Did you just go, hmm, that's a lot of people? Or did you have compassion on them? Like Pastor Andrew did. That if Jesus would, would come today, that would mean 3.8 billion people will be heading toward an eternal separation from God. You know, every time that I have a, a Zoom meeting and, and I see some of you, uh, which by the way, I'm still learning that there's still a lot of you that I still haven't met. And, you know, Matt, Matt's it. It was so great seeing you this, this Friday. But, you know, every time I, I look at my new church family here at CLC, there is one person that I'm really, really grateful for. Do you want to know who? His name is Hudson Taylor, who just didn't see the stats of the unreached people and go, hmm, 3.8 billion people. Hmm. That's nice. And just walked away. I remember um, reading his autobiography in seminary where he said, how can all the people in England stand still in folded arms while the multitudes in China are perishing? Perishing for the lack of knowledge that England possesses so richly. You, you see, Austin Taylor didn't just see all the multitudes in China and just as just the stats. Hudson Taylor saw each one of them with compassion. The other day, John, my prayer partner, asked me, hey, Ben, what's been on your prayer request these days? What are you praying about these days? And the answer, salvation. Salvation for my brothers. Salvation for my relatives, but especially, I've been praying for God, to God, for his mercy and his grace to flow to 25 millions of North Koreans, my fellow brothers and sisters who still do not know the Father's heart. You see, when Christ is in us, we are able to have compassion for the multitude. Those who have never heard of his name, the 3.8 billions who are still 
unreached in this world. Now, secondly, I, I want you to look at the latter part of verse 36. Because we find the second motivation. When we have the compassion of Jesus Christ, when Christ is in us, we feel the sufferings of the multitude. And Jesus had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Now, this word harassed and helpless is translated into many, many different words. Distraught, downcast. New King's King's James Version says this, fainted and scattered abroad. And other translations translate this word mangled, thrown to the ground, distracted, dejected, bewild and miserable. Now, I want you to understand why does Jesus feel compassion when he saw them being harassed and helpless? I mean, literally torn apart. In fact, it says that he was moved with compassion, which is far more than just an intellectual of knowing something that is wrong. You see, compassion is an emotional, literally a physical feeling of warmth. We also see it in John chapter 11, verse 35, when he was deeply moved and troubled when he saw Lazarus dead and he began to weep with his sisters. Or even in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, the last time he saw Jerusalem, before going to the cross, before going into Jerusalem, when he drew near, when he saw the city, what did he do? He, he began to weep. Weep over the people who are living in Jerusalem. Now, why the emotional outbreak? Why? Because he saw the sins in people's lives. And their sins separated them from the Father's heart. And, and his reaction wasn't just indignations toward their sins but rather compassion for their sufferings as a result of their sins. In 2002, I flew from LA to Seoul and Seoul to Bangkok, and we landed at Don Muang International Airport where the local missionary met us. And he told our our mission team of our first assignment. Tomorrow, Pastor Ben, You're going to preach in front of a large crowd. Now, feeling like a fresh seminarian, I got excited over those two words, large crowd, large crowd. I quickly replied, no problem. I mean, I got this. You know, this is why I'm here, you know. And I asked, so how large of a crowd? Oh, maybe two to three hundred. And with two, three hundred, I got even more excited. And from that moment, And as I got on the bus, I began to, "Mm, which sermon should I use? The one from Mark? Um, Nah, this is a larger crowd, so I'm going to definitely use John 3.16. And this is what I'm going to say. This is how I'm going to deliver the application. And I was just kind of mumbling and thinking in my head. So all the way from the airport, I, I began to kind of strategize. I began to think. Now, about 30 minutes into the ride, the, the missionary looked worried, as if he, he wanted me to ask him more questions about the tomorrow's event. But because I was so busy planning out my strategy, 
he inched himself closer to me and softly whispered in my ears, Pastor Ben, don't you want to know where you're going tomorrow? Pastor Ben, don't you want to know where you're going tomorrow? Uh, uh, what, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So where are we going tomorrow? Large crowds, John 3.16. Tomorrow, Pastor Ben, you are going to go visit a hospital. Oh, whoa, 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 hospital, what kind? It's a hospital where the Thai government had built to lock up all the AIDS patients in Thailand. Now, as soon as I heard the words AIDS, I stopped thinking. And I just began to say, whoa, wait a minute. Now, remember those two words, large crowds? Now, those two words no longer became important. And I began to say, so Missionary Kim, can you repeat what you just said? AIDS hospital? Yes. Tomorrow you're going to go preach in front of a large crowd where the Thai government had locked them up in this, this, in this solitary, this confinement for all those people who have AIDS. And it's mostly women and children. Now, wait a minute. I, I didn't come all the way to Thailand. Now, this, this was a kind of a childish and a foolish thinking. I, I didn't come all the way to Thailand to catch AIDS. Now, I, I kind of like, hey, hey God, I, I didn't sign up for this. And, and I began to sweat. And it wasn't because the, the, the bus AC broke. And I began to kind of communicate. I began to pray to God. God, you got to get me out of this mess. Worry and anxiety began to set in. I mean, it set in so much that that night I didn't sleep a wink. And the next morning I woke up. I arrived at the hospital looking like a zombie. Where I was led through this long corridor. And then at the other end of the corridor, I began to see the large multitudes. And you know, there were actually more than 300 people. And my heart begins to pounce. Now, pounce so loudly that I think the missionary must have heard it because he said, you know what, Pastor Ben, don't worry. Do you see that huge green fence? That, that, that fence, that, that screen that is around? Well, it is there to protect us from them. But honestly, that green fence became invisible. All I saw was a large crowd with AIDS. You know, I didn't feel comfortable. My stomach began to churn. And the smell of all the formaldehyde just made me gag. I didn't want to be there. And if I had to be there, all I wanted to do was to preach a very, very simple, quick message. Folks, Jesus loves you. And then thank you and goodbye. And I just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. So I began to pace myself back and forth, back and forth, and just mumbling. Okay, okay, come on, come on. Let's, let's get this you know, program going. And I saw myself moving further and further away from the crowd. And when the missionary, you know, saw me, he kept asking me, come closer, come closer to the mic, Pastor Ben, come closer, come closer. 
but I saw myself walking further and further away. As I shared, the message was very short. And afterwards, I began to pack up for departure when a loud yell disrupted my packing. You know, you see, people began to hurtle around the corner of the fence. And, and I heard my wife's voice and I knew something was up. <laughs> the missionary and a couple of the hospital staff ran quickly to the direction of the crowd. And I jumped down from where I was and I was heading to the spot where everybody was and where I saw my son. I saw my son bleeding from the side of the face. You see, my son had tried to climb over that green fence to go and play with the kids, his newfound friends on the other side. Now, the night before, our, our mission team was so worried and, and we were so focused and we were praying only about, you know, protect us, protect us, protect us, about going into an ACE hospital that we forgot to educate our kids. Now, you know what, guys? Seriously. Even if we were to educate our kids, what were we going to say to them? Hey, kids, don't go near to them because you know what? They have deadly cooties. But definitely we were ill-prepared. I saw my wife's face becoming redder and redder and redder, and I was in this disbelief, and I was in anger. Now, my anger exploded when a young woman came up close to the fence and saw what was happening, and she gently handed her handkerchief over the top of the fence with a gesture. Now, because we couldn't speak the language, I think this is what she was trying to say. Wipe the blood. Wipe the blood from your son's face using this handkerchief to wipe it. And she was handing it over to the fence. And that moment, I lost it. You see, I, I, I violently knocked the handkerchief out of her hands. And I shouted, you stay far away from my son. You go away. And I repeated these multiple times. You stay away. Stay away from my son. And now... Maybe it's because in all the yelling, my son was crying. In all the yelling and all the commotions, as the handkerchief fell to the ground, now my attention was focused on a little boy that was there all along. Now, I don't know why I, I, haven't, I haven't never seen this boy. I, you know, during the yelling, the commotion, but it was until the, the handkerchief fell to the ground. I, I don't know why I haven't seen him before, but he was there. And this little boy, he, he bent down and he picked up the handkerchief. He, he wiped the dust off from it. And he tried to force it because he wasn't tall enough. He tried to force the handkerchief through the holes of the fence. As I'm watching this, you know, he looked as if he had gone hungry for many, many days. He looked so frail. He looked so sick. And, but with his tiny hands, he tried to shove the handkerchief through the holes of the fence. And when our eyes met, I saw these tiny tears flowing from the side of his face, and I froze. 
He must have heard all the yelling and screaming that I was directing to his mother. And I quickly found myself rationalizing. Okay, no way this boy could have understood English. No way he's crying because I was yelling at his mother. But I looked in his eyes and the tears just kept flowing, flowing and flowing. But you know what? It, it, it was the tears that moved me but of his action. That's this sickly little boy trying to finish what he had, his mother had failed to do because I had knocked the handkerchief out of her hands. I looked at this little boy trying to shove forcefully, trying to get this handkerchief so that I would wipe the blood off of my son. And all of a sudden, I began to see something a little bit more larger. All of a sudden, the woman that was sitting next to her, I didn't see a woman with AIDS. Nor did I see a little boy with this incurable disease. At that moment, Jesus began to move my heart. I began to see the whole multitude as if, if Jesus Christ was viewing them with the compassion. And I began to weep. I began to weep because what, what I have done, what foolish, childish actions I've caused, when, when, when my first assignment that God gave me in Thailand was to go to these people of, of harassed and helpless people. And I want you to go and I want you to go and comfort them. And the thing that I wanted to do was just to get out of there as soon as possible. I, I didn't want anything to do with those people. <laughs> you see. When we are in Christ, we feel the sufferings of the multitudes. This morning, on Palm Sunday, as I'm given the task to close our, our current sermon series, I, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time as followers of Jesus Christ You've shown compassion over the people in the bare area. When was the last time you wept for the people in your neighborhoods for their current state of their spirituality being separated from God? When was the last time you wept because you began to see the people on Grand and Lennox, those people who are near our church, those who are lonely, feeling hopeless? Or about the or how about feeling compassion for our brothers and sisters in our Asian American community who are going through these, these horrible tragedies? Or for those who live in their whole entire life in silent chains of conformity? Or for those who are forced to live like this by the dominant cultures that we live in? I want to ask you, when was the last time 
You've shown compassion for the multitude and their suffering. So on this Palm Sunday, as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, I, I pray that May's love exudes his compassion for the people around you so that we will let his light shine. So that we will let the people of the bearer know who Jesus Christ really is. And this compassion, I said it before, it doesn't come naturally. When Christ is in us, that's when the compassion of Jesus flows and exudes. As we close off our sermon series, I just pray that today, as we go through our Passion Week this week, that the compassion of Jesus Christ will live it out, to show it out, to display it out so that his light may shine to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the compassion of Jesus Christ allows us to see the multitude, not only seeing the multitude, but also being the sufferings for the sins that are being apart, being away from you. I ask in the name of Jesus that would you allow all the members of CLC, especially this week, as we go through the Passion Week, help us, help us deeply to be able to show compassion and love Jesus Christ. Father God, I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.